welcome to the MVP, the Mass Violence Podcast, the official podcast of the National Mass Violence Victimization Resource Center. I'm Dan Smith, Director of Resources and Technology for the NMVVRC, and long-term listeners of the program will know our guest today. We've got Dr. Rochelle Hansen, one of my colleagues at the NMVVRC, who's a clinical psychologist and a professor at MUSC, and she's also the Director of Training for the NMVVRC. And she's the lead author of today's topic, which is the Mass Violence Core Compendium. It's kind of a mouthful. Welcome, Dr. Hansen. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be back, Dan. Uh, And it is a pleasure to talk to you as usual. So, Rochelle, one of the fundamental principles of our center is that mass violence is different from other kinds of crime and other kinds of large events that affect communities and and cities and so forth. And it's even different from other kinds of trauma. We, I mean, sort of our our reason for existing is that we think that specific knowledge about the effects of mass violence on how individuals and families and communities are affected by mass violence is essential in preparing for and responding to mass violence, which is kind of a mouthful, but that's sort of what our whole center is about. And one question that I had for you is how do people, whether they're like us, mental health professionals or folks who are victim service professionals or even community leaders like mayors, police chiefs and so forth, how, how do those folks learn about mass violence and mass violence victims? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I mean, it could be really challenging because there isn't any kind of centralized place where someone could go and learn about mass violence specifically. So, you know, in my experience, what happens is that many people may do searches on the web. And and the problem with that is that there is a lot of information out there and not all of it is especially accurate or even helpful. And I think a second issue related to that is, you know, mass violence is not typically part of traditional training. You know, I'll acknowledge that there are some mental health training programs that might provide training in trauma or traumatic stress, but that's rarely, if ever, specific to mass violence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I don't think I ever learned a thing about mass violence in graduate school. No, nor did I. So I would say kind of at the end of the day, Individuals, people may just stumble upon information, you know, kind of get lucky and hit the jackpot, or maybe they decide they're going to spend a lot of time trying to figure out what kinds of training and resources are out there. But, you know, the problem we have is there's no guarantee that what anybody finds is going to be evidence-based or that it will reflect what we know are current best practices for helping people after a mass violence incident. Yeah, I I worry that people you know, wait until a mass violence event happens in their community, and then they run to the Google machine and start trying to find things. And And you're right. Uh, Google will find you everything, sort of regardless of quality. So is, is that what the core compendium is, sort of um, a collection of evidence-based stuff? Uh, you know, tell us a little bit about what's in the core compendium. Sure. Um, so, Basically, the core compendium, it's this compilation of resources that we found that were out there. So these are some existing resources. 
as well as some that were adapted to address mass violence specifically. And the idea here is that we want to help communities. And as you pointed out, we want to help them be able to prepare and not wait until a mass violence incident happens and then have resources to be able to respond and then importantly to be able to recover after a mass violence event occurs. So kind of in line with that, our intent was to be able to pull together as many resources as we could find that would be helpful for all of the different professionals that are involved in preparing for and responding to a mass violence incident. So the result of that was the compendium, which has 26 different modules that go across the entire kind of the different phases of a mass violence incident from preparation or readiness through response and recovery, all the way to resilience. Okay, 26 modules, that's a lot. Does a a learner have to like read all 26 modules or or something like that? No, and, and I guess maybe to explain better, we have the three different phases and then within each of those three phases are sections, there are different modules. So the 26 kind of cut across all of those phases of a mass violence event. And then within each section or each phase of, of mass violence, you know, readiness, response, resilience, we have these multiple modules. And then each module has its own brief description, learning objectives, the resources that are relevant to cover that topic, and then some available worksheets and handouts. So it's not, you know, you're right. Nobody has to read all 26. Okay. You can go in and kind of do some searching around and see what might be most relevant to the needs that, you know, an individual might be looking to address. Gotcha. Okay. That sounds huge. And so I'm wondering how you and your team of folks went about creating something like this. It sounds like a really wide range of topics and like it would need sort of a wide range of expertise to put it all together in a, in a reasonable way. Yeah, it is. It was pretty daunting. I mean, I'll be perfectly honest with you. There are, as we said, a lot of things out there and trying to, you know, take a look and figure out what is evidence-based, what's not, what's reflective of current practices. I mean, it definitely was a team approach. It took a village, so to speak. And I would say that we had a couple of goals in mind when we were trying to develop the compendium. You know, first, again, we wanted to see what was out there, and that required an extensive, pretty time-consuming search. Mm-hmm. Then second, we wanted to be sure to include resources for the different professionals that are involved in mass violence planning and response. So that may be victim services professionals, mental or behavioral health professionals, first responders, emergency planners, and community leaders. So, you know, that's a quite a variety of different providers. And then third is we wanted to be sure that we included information and resources that would tap into all the different phases, right? As I keep saying, the preparation, you know, what does the community need to do before an event happens, as well as in the immediate aftermath, and then to support and foster resilience after a mass violence incident occurs. Wow, that just sounds like an incredibly uh, arduous uh, task to put all that together. So thanks to you and your team. So, Rochelle, what I mean, you've mentioned a lot of different folks. Um, the target audience is kind of everyone who might be involved in the response and 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 preparation for a mass violence event, or are the three phases sort of geared towards different audiences? How does that all work? 
So I would say that our intent was really to cast a very wide net and to provide resources as, to as many different disciplines and professionals as we could. So yeah, I guess the direct answer to your question is, yeah, we did. Perhaps we're over ambitious here, but we really did want to be able to target anyone who might be involved in either mass violence preparation or response. So that does include that wide group of people that we've talked about from victim service professionals to first responders to emergency management professionals and community leaders. So yeah, I would say within each of the modules, we do try to tailor content or provide content that would be useful regardless of what kind of hat a person wears. Okay. Um, and so that's got me thinking about how people of, of different different stripes, different professions and so forth, how, how should people use the compendium? Do you just sort of visit the website for the compendium, which we'll, we'll talk about in just a second, and, and you know, take an online lesson or download a, a lesson plan or sort of a, a PowerPoint slideshow? Uh, what is what is the mechanism for using the compendium? Yeah, that's a really good question because I absolutely want to make sure that people understand that the compendium wasn't designed or intended to be kind of a standalone type course, right? So we're not saying you go on there and you just go through and at the end you get credits and you've completed a course on mass violence. That was never our intent. There are some resources that could be downloaded, but for the most part, what it is, what this compendium is, is a very comprehensive outline of what materials and resources and training topics are available. And then we really encourage people who are interested to contact us directly to learn more. So I am someone who's interested and wants to learn more, hypothetically. Um, what would I do to go about getting trained? Do I sort of email the center or email you directly and say, hey, Dr. Hansen, I want to get trained in community preparedness or a mental health intervention. What's the, what are the steps that someone would, would go through? So what I would say first is, yes, right, we provide some information in terms of who to contact, and you certainly can reach out to me, and I would be happy to talk with anyone who's interested. But the very first thing I would really encourage someone to do is to go ahead and take a look and search and see what kind of content is on there so we could at least narrow down what the focus or the interest is. And then we would provide consultation directly with whoever is reaching out to figure out, you know, what is it that you are looking for? Is it something for yourself individually? Is it something for your, your community? Um, who are your potential target audiences? You know, to try to tailor what your needs are so we could tailor training to meet those needs. And, you know, I think another very important point about this is that we are very attuned and aware that individuals are going to learn and process information in very different ways. So it's going to be part of our consultation, right? We want to make sure that we use different training methods or styles or approaches so that we could reach a very diverse audience and that we pay attention to, you know, the diversity of the people that might be participating in training. I'm just going to ask you about that because, you know, some of the previous podcasts we've done, we've talked about um, sort of the uh, Atlanta shootings and how that affected primarily the AAPI community in and around Atlanta. And also we had a, a podcast recently with Dr. Kara uh, about the shooting at the Sikh temple in Wisconsin. And, you know, those are such 
different communities and the kinds of steps that responders took to those varied quite a bit is is that kind of variety if you will uh, built into the compendium in some way or is that the kind of tailoring that you were talking about exactly one size doesn't fit all and that's why we decided not to just put a standalone curriculum that someone would just download that's why we think it's so important to do consultation and learn more about what a community is looking for and who that potential audience is going to be so that we can tailor training to meet diverse needs. And, you know, I think because of our expertise as a National Mass Violence Resource Center, we really are very aware that a traumatic event like mass violence and problems or symptoms that can arise from that but they impact individuals in very different ways, as you just pointed out, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we also know that experiences like that impact the way people learn and in the ability to absorb information. And so given all of that together, you know, we try to be sensitive to diversity of our audience and then create a very individualized, positive training and learning experience. Sounds sounds great. Um, and since... As we're recording this, we we seem to be kind of on our way out of the the pandemic a little bit. Knockwood, um, what what would that training that people would get look like? Would it be virtual or online training in person? Some combination of those. You know, I would say my experience has been that people are still looking for options. And yes, a lot of people want to be back in person, and we can certainly offer some in-person trainings. But others have found that remote or virtual training or webinars are still really helpful or some hybrid between the two. So we've definitely had consultation requests with like, well, we would really prefer still to do virtual or we, hey, a hybrid would be awesome. Or maybe they want some kind of virtual training and then live Q&A or office hours. So there's a lot of different options that we could offer as a way to, again, tailor and meet the needs of different communities and professionals. Are the, are the trainers that we're talking about, are they exclusively coming from our team in the NMVVRC or would we reach out to experts in the field or, or how would that work? Yeah, I think one of the benefits that we have with our expertise in our center is that, you know, we definitely have expertise in doing behavioral health and mental health training. Um, but we also recognize areas that perhaps we're not the leading expert. And so one of the benefits of having a center like ours is that we have established relationships and collaborations with other experts that might be better suited depending on the topic or the audience. And I would be remiss if I, de I didn't point out that the Office for Victims of Crime Training and Technical Assistance Center, or TTAC, really does provide excellent training. And so when it's appropriate, we might reach out and provide that connection if someone were to contact us. So we definitely, just kind of more of an answer to your question, we absolutely would connect people to other trainers that might be more appropriate. And we are happy to kind of serve as that, you know, connecting point or liaison. Gotcha. So it, it took a village to put all the compendium together and it sounds like it will uh, somewhat take a village to respond to the, the variety of training requests that people might make. Absolutely. So Rochelle, you've talked uh, about different kinds of training and, and tailoring training and so forth. And I'm wondering, 
um, thinking about the perspective of people who might be interested in training, but also may have sort of limited budgets to pay for training and things like that. Is, is all of this training, um, does it need to be paid for? Or are there opportunities to access some, some resources for free? So as we've mentioned earlier, there is an array of content available on the compendium, and there are several that are free of charge. For example, we provide a link to some of the webinars and training that are provided by TTAC, and that would be of no cost to a recipient or a participant. And there's also other opportunities. So for example, if someone was interested in training or being certified in a particular mental health treatment, we would we could provide information about any cost associated with it. So kind of, I guess, in answer to your question, there isn't necessarily some massive cost that someone would have to take on. It would really depend on what they were interested in, and that would be part of consultation. We could figure out what their interests are and what costs might be involved, and there are definitely things that would be offered free of charge. And the consultation with NMVVRC personnel, whether it's you or, or someone else, that is free, right? Yes, there's no cost to that. We okay. be happy. And sometimes it takes more than one time to consult, right? We kind of walk through the compendium with an individual. They may need to think through what are their needs, who do they want to include in training, and then we might have a follow-up consultation to talk about that more thoroughly and then figure out what costs and what kinds of funds might be needed. And and like I said, I think there's plenty of content and material and resources that we could provide that would be at no cost to who's ever interested. But it would depend. I don't want to, you know, anybody to walk away and say, oh, we would just come and provide, you know, hours of training at no cost. I mean, we don't have the capacity, but we definitely could work with individuals around that. Right. I mean, I, I don't think it's probably uh, in, in the center's purview to offer up professionals from other organizations for free or something like that. No, I think we get a lot of trouble for that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay. Well, Rochelle, how should people find out more about the compendium or access it online? Yeah. So easily they could go on our website, nmvvrc.org and find it on the featured carousel, or you could also find it on the learn dropdown tab on the homepage. And again, I would absolutely encourage anyone who's interested to please take a look and, and feel free to contact us. We would be happy to talk with anyone. Awesome. Thank you, Michelle. Uh, you know, I, I think this tool is, uh, it, it just represents an enormous amount of work and covers such a wide range of topics that uh, it's it's probably got something for everyone, or at least the start of something for everyone who's looking to learn more uh, about mass violence and the three phases of readiness, response, and resilience. And, you know, kudos to you and your team for putting this massive resource together. Um, and I think it's going to be a big, big service to the field. And um, we're thrilled that you were able to talk with us today. Thank you so much, Dan. This has been another episode of the MVP, the Mass Violence Podcast. Thanks for listening.